Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang. Welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I hope you all had a great weekend last week. I know that the the weather was quite wintry up here in the northeast part of the state of Georgia. Now, down where we are in uh, Hall County area, we got about two, maybe three inches of snow and ice, sort of a mixture. I know that up here it was even <laughs> snowier, so I hope there were no accidents and no uh, no problems. Hopefully the power didn't go out. Mine did not, but uh, I know my parents' house, it went out overnight apparently because the clock on the microwave was flashing, my dad said. <laughs> but I hope we're all safe and I hope we're all well because gardening continues. As a matter of fact, most of the things uh, that really need to be done needs to be done now. We've been talking a lot about planting on the show because planting is best done over the cooler months. Now, obviously, with snow on the ground last weekend, early part of last week or this past week would not have been a good time to dig in the snow in, in the ground because of the snow. We do want to make sure that when we're digging that we're not digging in wet soil. When we dig in wet soil, we usually destroy any kind of um, structure that the soil has. And in our clay soil particularly, when it's dug wet, it's sort of like mushing up a clay pot before it's been fired. It just turns into this nasty ball of mud. And so, not a good time. But after a rainfall, or in this case, after a snow, after the snow has dried out, uh, melted away, give yourself 24 hours. Give yourself 24 hours after a rainfall or uh, heavy amounts of precipitation. Let things drain, and most of the time, unless you're dealing with a boggy, wet site, uh, your soil should drain within 24 hours. So no, we don't dig during the rain, and we don't dig right after it is over. We dig about a day's time. Uh, after the rain has gone away. So keep digging, keep digging. But uh, today we are getting closer and closer to spring. I know folks, it it will be here before we know it. It We'll be here before we know it and we won't know what to do if we don't stay on top of our timeline. So there are some things that we need to be doing pretty soon, not right away. Uh, But I thought I'd give you the uh, information you need to successfully and safely prune your plants because pruning season will begin when spring begins. Uh, You can do some pruning in the later part of winter, Oh, which for our area we would say end of March would be a fine time. I don't know, February might be a little too early, but uh, I wanted to make sure you had this information so that you don't get behind on getting some of those pruning tasks out of the way. So we're going to talk a good bit about that. Now, I would say, uh, before we get into today's topic of conversation, I would ask that uh, if 
if there was something that happened terribly in the garden this past week with the snow and the ice, if you took some photos, feel free to tag us or send them to us on our Facebook page. Of course, just uh, search for New Southern Garden on Facebook or Instagram. And the social media is there, of course. We can uh, look at your photo, and we'd be glad to share uh, some things that may have been disastrous. Uh, I will tell you that I have, uh, well, when we bought our house, we inherited, we'll say, from the previous owners, uh, several large shrubs. And one of them is a, a fairly full-grown gardenia. Beautiful plant. In the, in the summer, it's blooming. Uh, as a matter of fact, right now, it still has seed pods on it, which are nice bright orange against the green leaf of that evergreen gardenia leaf. But during the snow, I walked out. Of course, it happened uh, overnight and walked out in the, uh, the next morning. And this thing looked like it was crushed. This gardenia looked like it had just been smothered by the snow. And so the weight of the snow, the weight of the ice, which I think we might have had a good bit of ice first, then the snow came later. Um, definitely a wintry mix out here. Uh, but so the, um, uh, the weight of all the leaves, the weight of the ice on the branches, just pulled the branches, arced them over to the ground. And I was afraid that I may have to do some heavy-duty pruning in the spring uh, to sort of save the plant, to sort of give it back a, a, a beautiful shape. But after the snow melted, shortly after actually, those branches just popped right back up. And if you were to check it out today, it would not look any different than it did before the snow. So there were some trees down on the road uh, coming into uh, headed to the nursery, of course, uh, Tuesday morning. We did not work on Monday. It was still too snowy, I thought. But anyhow, if you had trees break or whatever, well, pruning is going to be your friend. So we're going to talk about that today. But I did want to just encourage you to send us any photos of this wintry weather. Maybe there wasn't anything that disastrous happened. I hope not. Uh, but maybe you got some pictures of, uh, you know, snow and ice on seed pods or tops of leaves. Feel free to share those with us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to uh, show the community, show the New Southern Garden community uh, what is going on in your landscape. Well, without further ado, let's move forward into the topic of pruning. Now, I'll go ahead and preface that I, I think this may be a two-weeks program, a two-parter, if you will. Uh, the same topic for two weeks because there's a lot to talk about when we talk about pruning. There's a lot of misinformation out there when it comes to pruning. Uh, sometimes we think we know what's best for the plant, uh, but actually doing it another way is going to be uh, more successful. So when we get into the topic of pruning, sometimes it seems like pruning is an enemy of most of uh, America, you know, home gardeners, homeowners, who, whomever. It, we think that it's a task, something that we're a bit afraid to do because we're cutting parts of the plant off, we're removing parts of the plant, and it does seem like it's an enemy, but really it should be our best friend because with pruning, we can, well, we can both uh, help keep plants healthy and we can form plants in creative ways sort of like special effects in a movie. We can create, we can form plants, train them with pruning techniques to give us these special effects in the garden. Yes, that we'll talk a bit later on in our discussion on pruning about topiary and uh, uh, crafting plants into certain shapes. But really, pruning is a science and an art. 
just like most things in horticulture. Horticulture is this strange business where art and science merge together. And so we shouldn't let uh, either one of those facts, the arts or the science, scare us away from learning to properly prune our plants. Now, pruning is a very natural process. You've got to remember that. It's a natural process. However, Mother Nature, she prunes all the time. She prunes uh, every day of the year, uh, whether it's cool season or warm season, uh, she will take leaves off, she will take branches off, she will chop entire trees down. But remember that Mother Nature is a messy pruner. Whenever a branch falls in the woods, or hopefully not in your landscape, but when it falls, it's jagged splinters. Wherever the break happens is a jagged, rough uh, break and it's not a clean cut so she's very messy uh, let's see her mighty winds the ice winters that we have cause those heavy limbs and little small lightweight limbs uh, they come crashing down to the ground they leave these open jagged wounds and it's just uh, terrible sometimes uh, when a branch falls off of a tree it'll just rip the entire side of the tree leaving this big void that water can get in disease can get in and it can be pretty nasty so remember pruning is a natural process mother nature is just a very messy pruner but with proper with proper pruning we can get our plants uh, to both be shapely and keeping rot away. We have found over the course of uh, science uh, and horticultural research of proper ways to make cuts on a tree or a shrub. I want to tell you this little story. Uh, when I was really my first semester in plant school, in horticulture school at the University of Georgia, I remember my professor giving us this question. He says, what is the best pruning tool? When we got to our discussion on pruning, he asked us, what is the best pruning tool? I guess, you know, we students were sort of puzzled by the, the thought of that. Uh, is one pruning tool superior to the other? Uh, is there a hand pruner better to use than a pruning saw? Maybe it was the other way around. We don't know. We looked at each other. We were puzzled. And so the professor finally gave in and he gave his answer. He said, your fingers, your fingers are the best pruning tool. And I thought, well, what a strange notion. What a strange thing to say that your fingers, how are you going to cut down a branch with your fingers? Uh, how could that possibly be the best pruning tool? But really his point is obvious. His point is obvious that a gardener's fingers are the best pruning tools because it's best to remove material from a plant when it's at its youngest. If we remove that unwanted branch or unwanted stem at a young age, you reduce the chances of damage or damages caused by open wounds. Remember that pruning is wounding. I want you to remember that. Pruning is wounding. When you're pruning a plant, you are wounding it. And so we want to do everything we possibly can to make sure that that tree or plant, bush, whatever it is we're trimming, does not succumb to some kind of infection or disease, bacterial or fungus. And so knowing that pruning is wounding, when we remove these small wounds, or rather when we make these small wounds, they heal faster than large wounds. It's the, it's the point when we get to the removal of large, old growth that takes special care and attention. If we're 
pruning things while they're still young, if we're shaping them while the branches are, say, maybe no bigger uh, than the diameter of a pencil, that kind of pruning, uh, or, or rather that kind of wounding, can heal much faster than a large 4, 6, 10-inch diameter branch on a tree, a large tree. And so keep that in mind, that when you install new baby plants, they're just that, they're babies, but they do rapidly heal from any kind of pruning cut that you would make on that young tender growth. So with that being in mind, uh, we're going to talk about why do we prune, we're going to talk about the uh, types of pruning cuts we need to make, we're going to talk about where and how to prune, and of course we're going to pick the right tool for the job because our fingers are not always going to work when we talk about larger plants. And then I think we'll have time to get into some specialty pruning techniques by the end of next week. Um, but with that in mind, let's talk. start to talk about these reasons to prune. Why would we prune in the first place? Well, really, there is a reason that exists for everything we do in the landscape. The problem is that we rarely think of the reasons why. Uh, but I think that if, if we know why we're doing something, then we're going to be more keen uh, to do it well. And also, we'll feel impassioned while we're doing it. With something that is intimidating like this task of pruning, it's even more true. So, why do we prune our plants? Well, number one, we prune our plants to improve form, to improve their form, their shape. For obvious reasons, we would prune a plant to keep it in shape, right? Plants don't always grow the way we would like them to. As a matter of fact, pruning helps to achieve our goals in forming plants. If uh, we're looking to improve the bushiness of a plant to make something that is kind of whip-like or just strap-like bushier, well, pruning can help. But oppositely, or on the other side, if a plant is too dense, if it's too thick, if it's too bushy, <laughs> we can also use a different pruning technique to thin it out. So two completely different goals can be achieved by using the same garden task. That is what is really exciting. Now, pruning is necessary when we are looking to form plants into a hedge, uh, when we need to limb up maybe low-hanging branches on a tree, and of course, when a plant decides to send up random wild hairs. We've got to use pruning. So shaping plants and forming them into what our goals demand is really an important reason why we prune. And when we get back, more reasons why we should be pruning. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our contact us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well.
So today, gang, I was hoping to help you uh, think more about pruning because pruning season is coming upon us. We're going to talk about exactly when that is a little later. Uh, but I think that as we get closer to spring, it's a good idea to brush up on some things or, or make a plan to do some things that we need to take care of in the landscape and in the garden. And pruning is going to be one of those tasks. So before the break, we were talking, or just started talking about the reasons why we prune. Why do we even think about pruning plants? Well, the first reason is sort of obvious, I guess, uh, to improve its shape, to improve its form, to make sure that it is growing the way that we want it to rather than the way it wants to. Sometimes plants can send up wild hairs. Sometimes we want... Uh, a nice thick hedge that requires pruning, but sometimes we want something thin and more a uh, more dainty, not something bushy. And so pruning uh, can achieve all those tasks. But there is another reason. There's a few other reasons why we need to prune, and, and the next one would be to remove unnecessary branches. Now, unnecessary branches, keep in mind, are those branches that need to go. They've got to go, unfortunately. And with living organisms, nothing lasts forever. You've got to remember that. So in gardens, uh, it's our duty to keep plants in decent shape and good health. And pruning can help achieve that goal. So here's a few branches that we need to consider unnecessary. Old branches. Old branches are branches that have surpassed the juvenile stage and have begun to slow down growth. They have lost their vigor um, and, and perhaps they've even lost their ability to bl bloom well. Uh, this comes in handy uh, when we talk about pruning an orchard or pruning fruiting trees. Once these old branches are removed, you will see new branches take their place and again, they will have this renewed vigor and vitality. The other kind of unnecessary branch is a diseased branch. Branches that have been infected with fungus or bacteria, maybe even viruses, well, they've got to go as well. You see, the presence of a diseased branch on a plant is going to result in more infection and more disease, thus maybe even weakening, weakening the plant taking down the plant completely. So when you prune diseased material, just remember uh, that you've got to sanitize your pruning equipment in between every cut. That is one key tip you've got to take to heart. If you know you're dealing with a plant that has some disease in the branches you're working on and pruning back, every time you snip, every time that uh, pruning tool comes in contact with the branch, you've got to sanitize it. You can use um, uh, rubbing alcohol, just dip it in between every cut, uh, dip your pruning shears in between every cut, or you could use a one-part bleach, 10-part water uh, solution, uh, so you can go alcohol or uh, bleached route, but just use that as a sanitizing agent in between cuts. If not, you chance spreading that disease from plant to plant. Now, it's sort of the same concept in a hospital. You do not Go from room to room, sticking people with the same needles. No, you use a new, uh, clean instrument every time uh, you go into a new room. So, same thing in the garden world. We want to make sure we're cleaning our pruning shears when the disease is a problem. Now, there's these strange branches that we call water sprouts. Now, water sprouts are extremely vigorous branches, uh, which present this unusually vertical growth habit. 
You may have noticed that on trees and shrubs. There are plenty of plants, almost, well, a large percentage of the plants we use in the landscape have this potential to produce these water sprouts. Oaks can do it. Well, I hope you don't have any of these, but Bradford pears do it very quickly. Maybe even some maples. But crepe myrtles usually send up these water sprouts. They're just this unusual, vertical, very vigorous branch that grows straight up in the air and in one season could get several feet tall probably. Well, these water sprouts, these branches, they're not really attractive and they usually demand a lot of of nutrients from other parts of the plants because they're so vigorous they may weaken other parts of your plant so uh, they usually are found growing around the base of a plant and sometimes and I see this a lot actually they're found growing along the branches the main branches of your plant so water sprouts they look unusual they look abnormal because they're growing straight up in the air but they will suck out Uh, a lot of nutrition, give your plant an unusual shape and form, and really are not very safe uh, to allow to grow. So those are uh, other branches that are unnecessary. Now, whenever you're looking inside of a plant, anywhere you see crossed branches, crossed branches, those are unnecessary branches. Anytime that a branch crosses another or grows across the center of the plant, if you've got a branch that's on, uh, that starts on one side of the plant but pushes through the plant out the opposite side of the plant, that is a crossed branch, and it's best to remove that branch. You see, branches which uh, cross other branches, they cause damage by rubbing. They rub each other and they create this dense tangle uh, that can cause other issues. So branches which grow across the center of the plant or through the plant should be removed to encourage a clean, open center. Keeping the open center of your plant is good for airflow, good for light, uh, distribution and penetration, getting light into the inside of the plant, but crossed branches rub each other, and branches that grow through the plant, through the center of the plant, can also cause damages uh, or potential damage. Now, the last unnecessary branch that we need to think about pruning out is going to be broken or damaged branch, branches. You see, broken branches, like diseased branches, uh, have the possible a possibility of becoming diseased. So we've talked about diseased branches, but branches that are broken, uh, those wounds in the branch are open sources for disease and infection. And by removing these branches, you're helping to prevent disease, keeping your plant healthy and keeping it safe. So the second reason why we would prune is to remove unnecessary branches, including those old branches, those diseased branches, those water sprouts we talked about, the crossed branches, and broken or damaged branches. That's one reason why we have to prune our plants. Now, the third reason why we need to prune plants is to stimulate growth. Now, at first, uh, it might sound sort of counterintuitive to encourage a plant to grow by pruning it. But, well, however, that's exactly what happens when we prune a plant. By removing parts of a plant, you're actually signaling to the plant to replace what it lost. So it's definitely a survival um, technique that's geared to save the plant from destruction, but it can be used 
to our advantage, can be used to the gardener's advantage. For instance, let's say um, if you have an older plant that's producing weak, kind of shrimpy growth, pruning to rejuvenate the plant will generally produce thick, lush stems that are really more productive than before. Now, other times, we might find a plant here or there that refuses to grow. Maybe it's lost a number of leaves because of some climactic condition is too hot in the summer or something like that. Well, perhaps the plant is just being as difficult like a, you know, like a toddler in a church service. It just refuses to grow. Well, whatever the reason, a little tip pruning will usually lead to a flush of growth below those pruning cuts, and it can be a very effective remedy. Now, one of the last reasons, uh, rather one of the, f- the fourth reason, uh, why we would prune is to control flowering. You see, flowers form on uh, one or two types of wood. Flowers, Flower buds either form on old wood or new wood. Now, old wood consists of those stems and branches that were produced during the previous season. But new wood is uh, the branches that were produced this season. So generally, the plants that flower or bloom on old wood are going to be spring bloomers. Forsythia, you know, most azaleas, the big leaf hydrangeas, the big blue and pink ones. Those kinds of plants are well known to be old bloomers. Now, we do have to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to talk more about this pruning and the controlling, uh, using pruning to help control flowering in your plants. It's going to be a very important thing to keep in mind because we don't want to remove flower buds. We want those beautiful flowers. So when we get back, pruning to help flower. The sun shone bright the Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, we've got a big show today because we're talking about pruning, and I want to give you a comprehensive discussion on the whole thing as as much as possible. There's a lot of things we're not going to be able to to discuss, but you'll at least get the basics. And so far, we've already talked about um, why reasons to prune. We talked about one of the main reasons is to improve the form, to make sure that your plant uh, is shapely. That's pretty obvious. That's usually why we take the shears and trim on our shrubs. But then there's other reasons to prune. We want to prune and remove unnecessary branches. But you can also use pruning to stimulate growth. That's a third reason. And before the break, we were talking about the fourth reason why we need to prune, and that is to control flowering. Flowering is important, and depending on the type of plant you're growing, it may bloom on old wood that was produced last season, uh, last year, or it may bloom on new wood, which is wood that will be produced this year. So we were talking about forsythia, azaleas, big leaf hydrangeas, blueberries. I didn't mention that, but ornamental cherries, the flowering cherries. Those are some well-known old wood bloomers. Now, 
since these old wood bloomers bloom in the spring, we must never, and I repeat, we must never prune these plants late in the season or through late winter. If we do that, we will be cutting off the blossoms. So, one easy, well, one easy thing to remember, <laughs> which is catchy but not always accurate, but most of the time, just remember this. If it blooms before June, do not prune until after it blooms. So when we need to prune our forsythia or whenever we need to prune our azaleas or our some of our hydrangeas or blueberries, we must do it as soon as they have finished blooming. Now don't worry, the uh, azaleas and forsythia bloom pretty early and you can have a long spring to decide when to prune those. But with blueberries, for instance, if you're going to prune your blueberries and you still want a crop this year, you do have to wait till you've picked your last berry. So if your berry is done, if your uh, bush is done giving you berries, the harvest is over in May, you can prune it then. You can prune it in June if you have a, a June uh, blueberry producer. But you've got to make sure that you don't prune things that bloom on last year's wood too early. If it blooms before June, do not prune until after it blooms. Okay. Now, on the other hand, you have many plants that bloom on new wood. Now, these are a bit more forgiving plants. These plants include things like roses, crepe myrtles, the panicled and the smooth hydrangea, so limelight hydrangeas and Annabelle hydrangeas, uh, beautyberry you know, those beautiful plants, those all fall into this category. Now, these plants will send out their flowers on growth that is formed from spring uh, through summer. So in most cases, uh, you could deadhead the spent flowers and get another crop or more flowers before the season's finished. It's not a guarantee but it very well could happen. As a matter of fact, if uh, you have those limelight hydrangeas and you let them bloom and you deadhead them as they're fading, you may extend your blossom power because those plants have the ability to produce flowers on this year's wood. Wood that is grown, produced from spring through summer. Now, um, so that's a little bit about deadheading, but Pruning the new wood bloomers can take place as soon as spring begins and also when buds begin to uh, open, uh, then again is needed. So you can prune these and they usually will continue to bloom for you. It's just those old wood bloomers that have a bit of resilience uh, or rather stubbornness. If you prune them before they bloom, you may not see a blossom. But things like gardenia, I didn't mention that, but gardenias that I was like the one I was talking about earlier. I pruned some of these larger gardenias last year at my house uh, in the early spring, just down to little stubs. And they flushed out in the spring and they bloom fine in the summer. So the new wood bloomers are forgiving, but the old wood bloomers, uh, you can easily remove the spent blossoms. I'll tell you a quick story. There was a lady who showed me a picture of hydrangeas at the nursery. Of course, uh, that's Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week. But the, um, 
the pitcher was a beautiful hydrangea. And she said, we've had this hydrangea 10 years and it's never bloomed, not one time. And I said, well, uh, the first thing that I always ask when people say their hydrangeas aren't blooming is I say, when do you prune it? She says, oh, my husband cuts it down in March every year. And I said, well, I don't have a spray for the pest that you've got, but your husband is the pest because he's removed the blossoms year after year by cutting and pruning your hydrangea too early. You've allowed your husband to remove every blossom. The plants look fine, but they just don't have the ability to bloom once those buds are taken off. So knowing your plant's bloom time is key when you're using pruning to control flowering. Now, the last reason to prune, the last reason that I suggest to prune is to create special effects. Remember from the introduction, I talked about we can sort of create these special effects with plants. Now, this is really where the art of gardening comes into play because for thousands of years, gardeners have used the power of pruning to achieve creative and unique plant effects. Uh, Today, we can utilize these special pruning techniques to create unusual looking plants in our gardens. You can prune plants into geometric shapes, prune them into animals. Uh, pruning can really liven up a monotonous or muted landscape. So we're going to talk about some of those unique pruning techniques a little later, uh, some way you can just spice up what you're doing in your landscape. Now I want to talk about uh, the types of pruning cuts that we make on plants. You know, I do remember many occasions while I'm at the nursery uh, pruning on some plants, a customer will stop by and comment that my pruning activities were killing the plants. <laughs> well, this is a sign of a young gardener, uh, perhaps a non-gardener, because in most cases, especially when proper pruning takes place, the plant will actually become invigorated through those pruning activities, those pruning actions. So similarly, I, I do remember a time when I pruned some roses for uh, my church. And of course, you know, that sweet blue-haired Amen Pew member, she stopped me and she became enraged. She said, you're killing the Lord's roses. And <laughs> well, a few weeks later, uh, after they had flushed out and bloomed very nicely, uh, she approached me and she apologized, as of course a good Christian should. She says uh, she realized that how delightfully my pruning had encouraged those roses. And you know what, folks? That sweet sister in the Lord, she asked me to come and do the same to her rose bushes. <laughs> so even though our first inclination, our first thought is that pruning is difficult and a deadly task, Pruning is actually quite simple in the practice. Um, the basics of pruning are really so simple that they can be boiled down into two main pruning cuts, and we call those heading cuts and thinning cuts. So the first type of cut we make on a plant is called a heading cut. That's right, off with their heads. Much like, much like the French Revolution and its guillotine, uh, these heading cut cuts are just like they sound. It's a cut that's made below the tips of the branches and the stems. Heading cuts sort of stimulate a plant to get thicker and bushier and denser. 
Now, these types of cuts are particularly vital when you're creating hedges or screens because you want the density. You want more branches. You want thickness and bushiness. So when you're heading a plant, you are essentially removing sort of this stored amount of auxin, which is a plant hormone. And this hormone actually causes the tip of the branch to dominate with growth. So when you're removing that auxin, that plant hormone, it encourages the side shoots to break bud and begin to grow. In doing so, like I said, you are um, you encourage a thin, wispy plant to become thick and bushy. And literally, folks, all a heading cut really takes is the removal of that tip bud. You don't have to remove six inches. You just have to remove, you can remove six inches and still remove the tip bud. But just removing that tip is going to stimulate uh, the side branches on that stem to grow. Now, unfortunately, this type of pruning cut does tend to be overused. As you know, we've got these modern day mechanical shears, uh, it sort of makes this type of cut all too easy to perform, especially if you have a bubbascaper, excuse me, a landscaper uh, in your landscape. So instead of encouraging a plant to get thicker, sometimes we, we may need to, to make a different type of cut to encourage it to become thinner and more shapely in a different way. And that's where we go to the thinning cuts. So thinning cuts. I will say this before I talk about that is it seems like every time I go for a physical and see my doctor, the doctor's always telling me to lose some weight and thin down, which of course uh, is probably true. But I always end up leaving uh, his office wondering when my uh, rotund doctor is going to take his own advice. (laughs) So our trees and shrubs, or once they become so thick and overpowering that they sort of threaten to to eat away at our landscape, our homes. They may even try to eat our children. They get so big and bushy. Well, it's time to thin them too. So thinning cuts, they are made by taking an entire branch back to its origin. That's the key. We're not trimming out far on the tips of the branches. No, we're taking branches back to where they started. Either a sub-branch going to a main branch or a main branch going into the trunk of the tree or the shrub. We've got to take the entire branch out to its origin. That is true thinning the plant. So instead of trimming on the limbs and the tips like we would with heading cuts, we're tracing that branch back uh, to where it came from and remove it at what we call the branch collar. We're going to talk about the branch collar uh, in a little bit, but the branch collar is an area around the base of a branch that touches the trunk. Now, thinning a plant is really quite simple. at least in theory, you know, depending on the size of your branch, it may be more complex, but it's definitely more simple uh, than thinning a human. I will say that. No exercise, no diet change is required. All we have to do is simply remove entire branches and you got it. You've got yourself a fit plant that's ready to win uh, a 5K race in the garden. So before you thin, however, you've got to make sure you're removing branches that make sense. If you're going for a certain look, if you're going for a certain style, only remove 
improve branches which achieve that goal you have in mind. For instance, the open vase shape is something I've talked about when we're uh, pruning many fruit trees. With open vase pruning, you're trying to create a plant with an open center that's surrounded by branches like a vase might be. That encourages that even light distribution. It encourages good airflow, reduces uh, the height. These are all great aspects for a fruit tree training or for training a fruit tree. But regardless of the pruning goal, be sure you are removing the right branches before snipping because once you do, you've snipped it out. All right, gang, we do have to take a quick break. We've got the final segment coming up today on pruning, and I'm excited about it. So we'll see you on the other side of this break. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the new Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, if you're just joining us, before the break, we were talking about the types of pruning cuts, the two main types of pruning cuts we make. Pruning, even though it seems uh, daunting of a task, maybe a little scary, intimidating, it actually can be simplified into two main cuts. We're either going to uh, make a heading cut, which is removing the tips of branches, or we're going to make a thinning cut, which is where we remove entire branches back to their origin. The, the heading cuts make plants bushier, basically, and the thinning cuts, as it suggests, makes them thinner. It gives them a different kind of shape so we can see through the plant. So to sort of bring all this together, I did want to mention that uh, with thinning, uh, you can always thin branches that are rubbing against each other, thin branches that are diseased or dead branches, branches that cross through the center of the plant. You remember that was one of the reasons why we prune is to get rid of those branches. Well, those got to go all the way back. It's a thinning cut. You don't need to just head cut a diseased branch or broken branch. Well, depending on the broken branches, you do need to bring it back to a safe place within the tree. So I want to encourage you that until spring gets going, go into your landscape, take a look at some of your tallest, your widest plants, and see if they could benefit from either a little thinning or a little heading. Now, we do need to try to talk a bit about where to prune and when to prune. So, I know, I know that it's hard to not be scared of pruning. Uh, I really suppose most folks are. But usually, this fear of pruning comes from two major worries. It's, first of all, the, the fear of not knowing where to cut and the fear of pruning at the wrong time. Now, the possibility of damaging a plant by cutting at the wrong place and pruning at the wrong time of year is very possible. Killing a plant by these means is as well. It could lead to some death in certain cases. But 
before you throw your shears into a vat of acid and vow to uh, never trim again, don't worry, plants are resilient. They are overcomers. Most of the time, listen, most of the time, plants are going to do what they do best, which is grow. After all, uh, if you do murder a plant by slicing it into pieces in the middle of winter, don't fear because your local plant nursery has plenty of replacements, as well as Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia. So, now that we embrace our fear, let me try to help you simplify the best places to make a cut on a plant and the best times of year to prune. So, where do we prune on a plant? Well, no matter what kind of pruning cut you're making or what size branch you're removing, uh, the location of the cut is really going to be the same. Always prune near a bud. Now, that should be your pruning motto. Always prune near a bud. Make your pruning cuts near a bud on the branch. Remember that a bud isn't some hidden mystical location on a plant. It's simply where a leaf or a branch is located. So if you can find a leaf or if you can find a branch, then you found yourself a bud. So if you're heading, if you're going to trim the tips of a shrub or perennial plant, Make your cut just about one-eighth to one-quarter of an inch above a bud. Give it a little room. Because if any more material is left in front of the bud, then it will dry out and possibly rot off. Uh, Reduce this rotting uh, by keeping that excess above the bud at a minimum. Now, in addition to all that, it is best to make a 45-degree angle uh, cut so that water has the opportunity, if you will, to roll off of the cut instead of sitting on top of it. Now, that's going to help reduce the chance of disease taking hold before the wound has healed. Now, as we talked about previously, when we're making a thinning cut, you must remove the branch from its origin. So keep that keep in mind that this origin uh, in older plants is still a bud. It's just a mature bud, a large bud. So our motto still always prune to a bud is still in play. We're still going by it. Now this origin will be the origin of the branch you're removing on a larger plant or thinning the plant is going to be at the branch collar. The branch collar of the limb is really a uh, is the area where the branch sprouted from. The branch collar can be obvious on some plants and not as obvious on others, but it's basically a swollen area around that surrounds the base of the branch. It's uh, the tissues in the branch collar is where healing is going to occur once a cut has been made. So that's why it's critical to make sure when you're removing large branches from large trees, you don't leave a stub you prune it back to the collar of the branch. If you leave a stub in front of the branch collar, that swollen area at the base of the branch, then when that collar tries to heal, it won't be able to cover that stub or stob. So two important issues. Two important issues are going to arise when pruning near the branch collar. First of all, again, we should never remove the collar material from the branch we're keeping. I should mention that. If we cut too far into the collar, too far into the trunk of the tree uh, or trunk of the uh, shrub, 
what's going to happen is you won't have proper healing. And again, the other concern about stubbing is is in play as well. So we've got to make sure we are pruning just where the collar is. Now, if you're ever in doubt about where to make a cut on any of your plants, just remember, the safest place to prune is near a bud, including above the leaves and above side branches. Now, when to prune, this is going to be very critical because when is 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 coming soon. Uh, Knowing where to cut on a plant is important, but knowing when to cut is probably just as important. Now, we've heard it said before that timing is crucial in all kinds of things. Well, with pruning, I couldn't agree more. Uh, not, Not only can pruning at the wrong time cause damage, but pruning at certain times of the year may encourage undesired responses. Let me walk you through the four seasons of the year really quickly, describing some scenarios that might occur if you decide to prune during them. So spring, spring is for growth. During the spring, plants are actively growing uh, and quickly, I might add. So pruning plants in the spring will particularly encourage growth. Heading cuts will result in the breaking of buds and the thickening up, the bushiness of your plant. Shrimpy little plants uh, will become big boys during the spring if you're pruning them. So take advantage of this quick growth to shape your plants from a, a shaggy-looking winter. Now, because the plant is growing so quickly, it can also heal wounds quickly, and that reduces its chances of becoming diseased. Great time to prune the spring. Now, summer is for slowing down. Plants are still growing, uh, but not by much. Most are preparing for upcoming dormancy for fall and winter weather, so pruning in the summer will actually limit the size of your plant. So if you have a plant who's taking over the porch, feel free to thin him down to size in the summer. Now, generally, plants will undergo little spurts of growth throughout summer, but the few inches produced will really never compare to the feet that were produced in the spring. So remember, Remove too much of the plant in the summer, and you will have to live with its diminutive stature until next spring. So don't do heavy pruning in the summer. Now, fall, again, is going for sleeping, and so is winter. Uh, Fall through winter are sleepy times for plants. It's best to not prune plants during the winter and fall because they're not actively growing, and they can, uh, with those fresh pruning cuts they can succumb to some disease. So it's still a bit early yet to be doing some heavy pruning. The reason landscapers are pruning now is because they have nothing else to do. But don't let them mess you up in your landscape. When we get back from this week's break, I'm glad you joined us today. We'll continue our discussion on pruning. Stay well and grow well. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.